first letter to the church at Corinth, the 14th chapter, we begin to read at the 6th verse. Now, brethren, if I come to you speaking in tongues, how shall I benefit you unless I bring you some revelation or knowledge or prophecy or teaching? If even lifeless instruments, such as the flute or the harp, do not give distinct notes, how will anyone know what is played? And if the bugle or trumpet gives an indistinct sound, who will get ready for battle? So with yourselves. If you in a tongue utter speech that is not intelligible, how will anyone know what is said? For you will be speaking into the air. There are doubtless many different languages in the world, and none is without meaning. But if I do not know the meaning of the language, I shall be a foreigner to the speaker, and the speaker a foreigner to me. So with yourselves, since you are eager for manifestations of the Spirit, strive to excel in building up the church. Amen. And amen. A teacher was showing her sixth grade class a replica of that famous painting that we know, The Spirit of 76. You know it. And she asked little Davy to tell her what he saw in that picture. He looked carefully at it. He said, I... I see one man beating a drum, I see a second one playing a flute, and looking at that third character with his head bathed in all sorts of bandages, he said, I see somebody who must have a tremendous headache trying to carry the American flag. And out of the mouth of babes, there's wisdom. Because as I listen to what is going on in the country, it's not as bad as it used to be, but on this, our national holiday of birthday, I think that there are a lot of people in our land that have not only a headache, but a little bit of a heartache and somewhat of a stomach ache as they're trying to carry the flag and stand for all that she stands for. We are people, you know, who put tigers in our tanks swords and our razors, we have T-bones on every grill, yet there's something seemingly wrong. What is it? We're blessed. We have so, so much, yet we can't help but have the feeling we could have more and do a better job with what we have. The disgruntlements are not as great as they were five, six, seven years ago. Since we're in now, are heading towards our 300th birthday, I, I think there are great signs of promise. But nevertheless, one of the problems may stem from the fact that we are not very good trumpeters of the Lord. We have, yes, separation of church and state, but that does not mean that church people are silent in the state. How can they be? We're the same people. God has mandated to us the requirement that we speak his word. 
and we who love our Lord and love our land, we are to be trumpeters of his message, proclaimers of his truth, so that this land can be a land of the home, or home of the land of the free and the brave, a place where there is liberty, freedom, and justice for all people. I'm suggesting to us that we might take a few trumpet lessons so that individually and corporately we might do a better job in God's symphony of bringing about those great goals of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness for everybody. Those dreams that our forefathers had and which have been entrusted to us to help to achieve. Did you ever play the trumpet? I never did. And a music teacher that told me I would be a total failure, therefore I didn't start. But as I understand it from musicians, the trumpet is one of the most difficult of all instruments to play. I didn't realize that. To be able to be a good trumpeter and to bring forth those sweet, poignant, powerful tones, we need certain abilities. For as Paul says it, speaking about another matter entirely, nevertheless the principle is true, if the trumpet gives an indistinctive sound, who shall prepare for battle? Maybe we need to look into what is needed to to play the trumpet, and as I understand the one thing that is absolutely necessary for any trumpeter is that that person have an accurate tongue and a disciplined lip, a trained lip, an accurate tongue. And I would suggest to you, all of us have a little bit of trouble with that in the church. They had that trouble back in the early church, that's why James, in the third chapter of his little book, tried to stress to us the importance of these little tongues of fire, he called them. And he says, what such a great forest fire can be put ablaze by these little tongues? He called them an untamed animal, a restless evil, full, filled with all types of deadly poison. That little tongue can create so much good and it can do so much harm. And within the church of Jesus Christ, I think there are times when pastor and people together must exercise some discipline and make sure that they are accurate with their tongues. For sometimes more incorrect information comes out about the church and from the church than more truthful information. Take last week, for example. Some of you came here to worship very much irate, and you told me so after worship. I'm always interested in your concern, but what had happened last Sunday morning's newspaper carried an account by, I believe, the Associated Press concerning some remarks that were supposed to have been made by the new elected moderator of the 189th General Assembly of our church, Dr. Connor a very delicate issue and he was supposed to have made such and such a statement saying his own particular opinion. He didn't do that. That was merely the concoction of some reporter who reported inaccurately. Many people will not know that. The Associated Press said that they will print a retraction. That was last Sunday. I haven't seen it yet. But much damage has been done to that man 
to our total union of fellowship simply because somebody didn't take the time nor the effort to be accurate with their tongue. What happens outside the church happens inside. You know, we are given the responsibility to spread the gospel. But I'm afraid out of a church we do a better job at spreading the gossip. Yeah, sometimes more stories come out of church gatherings than I'm convinced must blush our Lord. Bring shame upon that which we claim to believe in the love and the concern and the forgiveness that we have for each other. An accurate tongue. Together with a trained lip, we are to speak the truth. Make no doubt about that. But we are to do it in love with lips that are disciplined and trained in charity. And when we do not couch our message with accuracy and with kindness, we do lousy jobs in being a trumpeter of the Lord. The second thing that I understand is necessary to play this very difficult instrument is that you have to have strong arms, steady hands, and agile fingers. From those who have mastered it, they tell me what gets tired the easiest is not the tongue nor the lip, but rather the arms having to hold up that confounded instrument for such a long period of time. Louis Armstrong, you know, he always used to carry a handkerchief to, to take away, I guess, the perspiration on, on, of, his, of his hands, which you have to have so steady if you're going to hit those high notes. And fingers that are so agile. Fingers that can react, not next week, not next month, but instantaneous from, from a signal that comes from the nervous system that has been triggered by an impulse in the brain which is merely responding to a stimuli that comes from the eye that has seen a note on a page. That has to happen instantaneously. And it works down through these strong arms, through these steady hands, and through these fast-moving fingers, and that's where the sound comes from when accompanied by an accurate tongue and a disciplined lip. But sometimes in the church, and as individual Christians, the time comes for action. You'd be surprised the number of times we speak next week, next month, next year, and the number of times we say we shall speak or do and we never speak and never do. We sometimes do the very Presbyterian thing. You know the most Presbyterian thing we do? We appoint a committee. I'm not against committees. I'm as guilty as anybody else. I go to about 10 or 12 every month. I sure hope my obituary says something more, though, than that I just attended committee meetings throughout my life. I heard a man the other day, an executive, talk about his interpretation of hell, and he sees it as a series of committee meetings interrupted only with urgent telephone calls. <laughs> not knocking it. It's necessary in a democratic process, but never is a committee to be a 
end in itself, but only a means to an end. I went to my Bible, looked up in its concordance, and though the word commit and committed is there, you know the word committee never appears in the Bible. I never read in the Gospels of Jesus calling a committee meeting of his disciples. But they were outdoing. Whoever puts his hand to the plow and looketh back is not worth entering the kingdom of God. Those are words of our Master. Read in the Acts of the Apostles. It's not talk of the Apostles. Acts of the Apostles. They reached down with their strong hands. They lifted up. And under God's guidance, healed. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Because one of the great things that impresses me about Bakerstown Church is its steadiness. It's steadiness. Oh, I'm sure some people think we ought to move faster. We have a lot who think we move too fast. But that's what's wonderful because we are steady. People come, people go. People die, people are born. Staff changes. Committees rotate. The seasons come, the season goes. The winters are cold and the summers are hot. But the congregation the giving growing the caring and the acting positively increasing I've said it before talk is very cheap around the church but action is what you need and to be a trumpeter of the Lord you have to have that Strong arm, steady hands, agile fingers. You have to know the score. That's the third requirement to be able to play the trumpet. There are two types of musicians. They tell me those who play by ear, and we mean not that not literally, but figuratively speaking. They're wonderful. They play for their own enjoyment. I personally like somebody who has that talent. He, he, he or she thrills me. But you put somebody down who can't read the score, and you put them in a symphony pit, and there's going to be disaster. That person has to be able to read the score, has to be able to know what is going on so that he can compliment the other people in the symphony. Karl Barth is the one who says that if you're going to be a trumpet of the Lord or a messenger of God, and it's the same, you've got to be able to have the Bible in one hand and the daily newspaper in the other. My professor taught me that three things every Christian should be studying every day. He ought to be reading his word of God so he knows what to say to the world. He ought to be reading his newspaper to know what kind of a world he's saying it to, and he ought to be reading his dictionary, his up-to-date dictionary, so he knows how to say it. But we have some people that study their Bible so much that they don't know what's going on in the world. Of course, we have a lot of people that know a lot that's going on in the world, but they don't know what's in the Word of God. A trumpeter of the Lord has to know the score, and he has to have a song in his heart. A song in his heart. That's requirement. What makes a, a Louis Armstrong, an Al Hurt, a Doc Severinsen, a Benny Benack? These individuals, when you look at them studying, listening to them, you have kind of a feeling they could play a trumpet even if there was no instrument. 
Because they have a song in their heart. They have a message that needs proclamation. I don't know that much about music. And Phil Ailey will be one that will tell you I don't know much about music. I'm not talking about him. He's standing out in the Northex as he always is at this time. He's just come from playing the worship service in the other part of our buildings. That's worship service for the 4th, 5th, and 6th graders. You know, we're losing, Phil. For those of you the radio congregation may not know it, we have only four more Sundays with him, and we say goodbye to him with mixed emotion. Ten years he's been with us. Every Sunday of those ten years, I've offered to sing a solo, and he hasn't accepted it once. <laughs> but we're very pleased and happy for him. We prayed about this decision. I'm convinced it's of God. He's called to a new position, a new type of work. Music director of a large church out in Davenport, Iowa. We have him for four more weeks. But he'll tell you, these people can't sing, you can't sing, I can't sing we can't proclaim a message unless we have that song in our heart that is bursting to come out of us. And Jesus says that we have it. The kingdom of God is within us. We should be proclaiming our message. But so often when the church looks to us individually and collectively, instead of hearing harmony, they hear only disharmony. They hear us criticizing and complaining how each one of us plays a different instrument and how we should be better tuned. Instead of hearing melody they hear disharmony. That's tragic. When are we going to learn that what is important is not what instrument we play, but the message that we proclaim? And fifth, you have to have the courage to begin. If you're going to play a trumpet or any instrument, you can have the best accurate tongue, the trained lip, the song and the heart, you can read the score, you can have the strong arms, the steady hands, and the agile fingers, but unless you have the courage to begin, all is of no avail. And you have the courage to begin only when somebody threatens, pushes, or shoves, or you deliberately feel so hurt and fed up, you decide something has to be done. And that usually comes, and it's a red-letter day on our calendar, and that is why on this third day of July, the end of our 201st year as a nation. I want to challenge you, as well as myself, to begin to play. Oh, it's frightening and it's threatening. And as we draw closer to that moment when we are going to proclaim, the knees will rattle, the heart will feel like it's in the throat. But ladies and gentlemen, that's what it's all about. I don't care how much air power or lung pressure we exert, if we don't put it into action, it's of no avail. And let's remember that the history of this land, as well as the history of the church, has been built by people who were scared to death, but who had the courage to try to be outstanding trumpeters of the Lord. Amen. Father, we are part of a great family, and individually we are members of a great nation. And thou art our Father. 
O our Father God, to thee, author of liberty, to thee we sing and pray. Long may our land be bright with freedom's holy light. And Father, protect us by thy might. O great God, our King. And now may the Lord watch between me and thee while we're absent one from the other. May the Lord bless you and keep you. And may the Lord be with us all.